I have been set free, my chains are gone. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Um, yes, my name is Shelby Hunt. I know uh, most of you know that, but you know, I, I saw Les introduced himself, so I thought, oh, you know, that's probably a good thing to do is you know make sure people know who you are. Um, and I am, I think, what was my, my title? is like assistant lay pastor, I think is what it is. So I, it's always fun with uh, titles and all of that stuff. And basically, I'm just here to help and serve the church. And part of that is that I get to share from God's word with you. So today we're looking at, um, we're actually wrapping up this theme of rest. We have been looking at this theme of rest for the last four weeks, and we're wrapping that up today. Um, and specifically, the verse we're looking at is 2 Corinthians 4.16. And so I'll give you a chance. If you have a Bible, flip to 2 Corinthians 4. We're actually going to look at different parts of that whole chapter. So just once you get there, just leave it open there because we're going to come back. But specifically, verse 16 is the verse that we are focusing on. And that verse says this. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So I think today's passage really does a, it's really a, a good passage to wrap this whole theme up with. It, it does a good job of being kind of a capstone to what we have been studying. Like, there's just this huge theme about 2 Corinthians 4.16. Uh, there's been this huge theme throughout this whole time of that, if you've been paying attention, it's that our rest comes from God. Like, we started this whole thing. Am, am I just too loud? I'm getting like, my wife is saying I'm too loud here. One second. I can actually fix that. This is the other fun thing about having technology is that I can actually adjust everything from the front. So one second. Um, but as I do this, so we've been having this theme of rest, and we started a few weeks ago uh, talking about um, uh, talking about a verse from Matthew, where Jesus tells us that all who labor and are heavy laden to come to him, and he will give us rest. We then talked about a passage in Isaiah, and about how it is through waiting on the Lord that our strength is renewed, that we will be able to mount up with wings like eagles. We will be able to run and not go grow weary. We will be able to walk and not faint. And last week, we looked at Proverbs 4, and we talked about how it's from our heart that these streams of life flow out of it. And so we need to do our best to preserve that by finding our trust in God. And today, we find ourselves, like I said, in 2 Corinthians and Paul is talking about how even though we may feel worn out, we are being renewed day after day. And we are being renewed not because of something that we do, but we're renewed because the living God who created the universe is living inside of us. And in fact, I think to really like look at this verse, to really understand it, we need to look at it in Context. In fact, I think the verse itself is telling us that we need to pay attention to the context because the very first word, depending on your translation, will either be so or therefore. And whenever you see a word like that, it's basically the Bible's telling you you need to know what came before so you can know why it's saying it right now. 
And so before we get into the verse too much, that's what I want to do real quick, is let's just give it some context. As many of you who have heard me talk a lot now know that I love giving context to stuff. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer that if you're reading like a devotional or some kind of Christian book or you're listening to somebody and they just throw a verse out there, that the best thing you can do is pause for a second, look back at where that verse comes from, understand the context surrounding that verse, and then that will help you understand the verse even more. And so what we do, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this verse, and first we see that it's in 2 Corinthians. So we need to understand, okay, well, what is 2 Corinthians? Well, we know it's a letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth, and we need to figure out, well, why did Paul write this letter? Well, um, if you ha- ever want to, you can flip to Acts 18 sometime this week, and you can read about how Paul established the church there in Corinth. It's one of the churches that he himself actually planted. And what we find out is that after he has planted that church and moved on, at some point, some different issues arise in that church. And so Paul writes them a letter, and we have that letter. It's 1 Corinthians. And that, that letter is all about just dealing with these different issues that have popped up in the church since he left. But from what we read in 2 Corinthians, it seems that after that first letter, there seems to have been some kind of division popping up in that church about people who wanted to reject Paul. And it wasn't that they just wanted to reject Paul. It's like they wanted to break relationship with Paul himself. And so what we read in 2 Corinthians is that Paul did what he calls a painful visit to them at some point to help kind of mend these broken relationships. And Paul actually wrote a letter that we don't have before 2 Corinthians to them to, again, help address this issue that there just seems to be a broken relationship and hopefully mend it. But it seems that even though some of those relationships were restored, there are still people there at the church that were rejecting Paul, saying that he didn't have the right credentials or authority to be an apostle or a teacher. And the reason they believed that was because they were looking at Paul and they were judging him according to what we would look at as like worldly success standards. Because they were looking at Paul and they're like, well, Paul's not rich, right? He's not wealthy. He's not a great speaker. He did manual labor to make money, which means he was, that's low class work. He was often homeless. And, you know, he just all around, it's just not the, it's not the, when you say, oh, that's successful according to worldly standards, that is not what Paul looked like. And so they were like, why should we follow him? And so throughout this letter, you see Paul showing not only why he has the authority to instruct them, why he has the authority to be called an apostle, but he also is very, very careful before he takes any glory for himself to always point everybody back to Christ. Because he says that's the only reason why he has any ability to do anything. It's because not because of his great credentials, but because of the fact that God has empowered him to do so. But that trap of looking at somebody and following them because they look successful, I mean, we fall into that trap still today, right? Like, it's a very human response to if you're, like, trying to, like, maybe, like, you're like, I want to listen to a sermon from some random person, and you're, like, trying to think of something. It's very human to look at, well, who has the most followers, right? It's very human to be like, oh, that guy's very popular, so that, therefore, that teacher must be good. And now, I'm not don't hear me incorrectly, just because somebody has a lot of followers or a lot of people that listen to them doesn't mean that they're a bad teacher. It doesn't mean that they aren't actually doing really good work for God's kingdom. 
But there is an instance where we see that some churches, some people who have become very big and very influential have done it because of the fact that they've projected themselves as being successful according to the worldly standards. I mean, there's a lot of very large churches out there where the main leader has done that. In fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but do you know what the largest church in the world is if you were looking at membership? Now, some of you might be, different names might be popping in your head. I know when I thought of this, I thought of Joel Olstein, which he's up there, but he's the largest church in the U.S. He's not actually the largest church in the world. The largest church in the world is actually in South Korea. It's, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I know Rachel has been trying to figure, get me to pronounce this correctly this whole time, but I'm going to pronounce it wrong, so I just apologize. Uh, it is the Yo- Yoido Full Gospel Church. And they say that they have over 700,000 members. That's a really big church. But the thing is about both Joel Olstein's church and this church in South Korea is that if you look at how they grew, if you look at what people were listening to that attracted to them, it's because the message that they taught almost always revolved around the fact that God wants to make you successful according to the world. That God wants you to be wealthy and rich and have a very nice lifestyle that, you know, you'll never face any troubles. Now, I don't want to say that there aren't people who go to that church that aren't Christians, right? I am, I am not God. I cannot stand in, in, his, in his position and say, well, that person's obviously not a Christian, right? There, I'm sure that there are people who have become saved going and listening to these different preachers. But the issue I have always with that type of prosperity gospel with the, the things that these people say is that if God's promise is that if you fully surrender to him, if you fully follow him, that you're going to experience earthly riches, well, then what happened to Paul? Because Paul, out of any human I can think of, is one of the most dedicated people to following Christ and, doing, and serving God with his entire being, and he lived a very, very, very hard life from the day he was converted on. Which is why this is a main theme throughout 2 Corinthians and why it's so important. Paul really wants them to understand that worldly success is not the standard that you should be looking for when you're looking for somebody who's going to be a teacher over you. It's how has God empowered them. And that's exactly what's happening in 2 Corinthians, especially in chapter 4. Right? He's especially confronting this idea that you should be successful. In fact, he's saying that life's going to be hard, and it's actually a really good sign that God's with you is because of how you persevere through the difficulties that life brings your way. There's a famous section in 2 Corinthians 4. You might have heard it if you have it. Hopefully you still have your Bibles open. Read with me verses 7 through 12. It says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, the show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life 
in you. In the States, when we go to uni, uh, we have this stuff called general education courses. Um, it's basically these courses that have nothing to do with your major. It's just, you're, they're there, you check them off so you can graduate. Honestly, it's, I'd already felt weird that these were required of you in uni at the States, and then coming over to the UK and see how your uni works, at, it just really just amplified, like, why do we do this in America even more? But anyways, that's what you do in the States. And so I took a class, one of these general education courses to check off a box, and it was an art appreciation class, and it was about some art history, and it was about some different art techniques, and I did enjoy it because the teacher made sure that was interactive. We actually did little art projects throughout the semester, which made it fun. And one of these projects was to take some clay and, and make something out of the clay. And so I was making something simple. I was like, I'm going to make a pen holder. So I'm just going to, you know, make a little cylinder if, that I can stick pens into. But I also was, my artistic part was, uh, I was going to try to make it look like Sonic the Hedgehog, which is one of my favorite video game characters. And I am happy to say that at the end, it was successful at holding pens. Um, so it didn't take long after I finished building this little thing for it to also start to fall apart. Because um, here's the thing about clay jars is that they break easily. They're not, they're not the strongest thing in the world. You drop them, they're going to shatter. And so that's the point that Paul is making because that's what he says, that the treasure, God's gospel, God's way of building the kingdom, he has put into jars of clay, us. It's interesting to think that, it's actually not just interesting, it's amazing to think that the way God decided to build his kingdom, the very beings that he decided to indwell was humans. Right? We are people that can become immobilized if we stub our toe. Like, that's the type of people he has decided to use. And the reason is, is because it clearly shows that it's not by our power that God builds his kingdom. It is clearly through God's power that any of this happens. And it, it's true that life is hard. I mean, verses 8 to 9 of 2 Corinthians 4 really hits home with me all the time, uh, the being afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but don't but not to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. And while this is true, Paul says that even though we can feel like death is constantly attacking our bodies, uh, that it's through the fact that Jesus's life is in us that we can handle it that we are being renewed day by day, even though our outer self is wasting away. It's why in verse 16 starts by saying, we do not lose heart. Now, I know some of you are going to laugh at me for saying this, but when I turned 30, I started to feel really old. <laughs> in fact, last week, when uh, we were filling out some cards, um, for those who don't know, we are uh, missionaries from the U.S., which means that we're financially supported to be here. So every so often we try to send out little thank you cards. So we were sending cards to people back in the States and also people in the U.K. who support us. And to do that, well, I printed off a list of our supporters, and we have about, there was about 70 names on that list, and me being 
very uh, environmentally conscious. I tried to put everything onto one piece of paper. Well, here's the thing. When you take that many names with all the data of like their addresses and stuff and you stick it on one piece of paper, the text comes out about that big to make it all fit. And so while we were filling out these cards, Rachel was asked if I could read an address to her from the list. And I took it. And I said something that I never thought I was going to have to ever say in my life, because I looked at that list and I said, I'm going to need to go get my glasses to be able to read this to you. And as soon as I said that, I really understood what it meant by it saying, though our outer self is wasting away. Because isn't that the truth, that even we, if we do stuff to fight it, we might exercise, we might eat well, and I'm, real quick, I'm not trying to give you a, some biblical basis to like ignore exercising or eating well, but even though we do that, the truth is at the end of the day, our bodies are slowly wasting away, but we do not lose heart because our inner self is being renewed day after day. Now I'm going to take a moment, and I just want to be real with you guys for a second. To be honest, I had a hard time with this passage. In fact, if I'm going to be totally honest with you guys, I mean, I think I've hinted at this maybe a few times now that I thought back at what I've talked about before, but I've had a hard time this whole month with this idea, with this theme of rest. Because you see, in September, I felt like there was like this fire burning inside of me. Like I was being, I was doing all this stuff. I was learning all these things. I was being really good that if I had any free time, I was watching something that was about the Bible. I was taking a training on making disciples. I took a training on church planting, right? And even though I was really busy that whole month, because I was so focused on God, I never felt like I ran out of strength. I never felt like I was out of energy. In fact, a lot of these principles, a lot of the things we've talked about over the last four weeks, really rang true for me throughout September. But then in October, something changed. And I don't know what exactly it is. It could be that it just was some spiritual attack throughout this month. It could be that the weather's changed. The weather changed, you know. It definitely got a lot more grayer once October rolled around. I mean, also in my life, I get hit with periods of just deep depression that I don't see coming and just suddenly it hits me, and it's really hard to work through. I mean, and to be honest, it's probably a combination of all those things, but I just have felt so tired this last month, to be honest. Now, I'm pretty good at putting up a front and telling people, you know, the right things, putting on the facade, making myself look good. In fact, I'm pretty sure that most of you might be surprised at how I've felt this last month because... Every time I come to Sunday, I'm, I'm pretty good at getting up here and being like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing okay. But to be honest, this last month, I had a, probably the most amount of time to like relax according to world standards to have free time, and yet I've never felt more drained this entire year. So when I was trying to work on this passage, I would sit down, and I'd start to try to think about what I wanted to say. I would have my Bible open. I would try to read over this verse and then I would close my Bible and I'd pull up YouTube or do something. And I would, I would try to say the excuse was, oh, I just can't focus right now. But really deep down, I just didn't want to. And funny enough, out of all the places for this to really like come to a head, to re really have me having a time to talk to God about this and him really working on my heart, was when I was at Blue Water on Thursday <laughs> evening. Now, some context real quick that you're going to need to know. On Thursday, 
we didn't think we were going to be at Blue Water because in that, that morning when Rachel went to go to work, she went out to the car and the car didn't start, which is always a great thing to happen in the morning. Um, luckily, we found out it was just the battery. Uh, the battery was drained. Our neighbor was able to jump it. I was able to take it to a nearby garage, and they were going to order a battery and get it replaced. Um, but they were just really busy, so we didn't know when they were going to have time to actually do that. Now, the reason why we were going to be at Blue Water was because Rachel was going to be meeting Joel there um, to talk about some different things. And so I made this decision when time was coming up. I was like, you know what? I just feel like I need to go get the car. I need to take Rachel, and we need to get to Blue Water so she can meet with Joel. And so that's what I did. I called up the mechanic. I went up. I picked... Went, picked up the car, we got to Blue Water, and just to let you guys know, everything's now fine. We were able to get it back to the, the garage, and they've replaced the battery. So uh, all of that is taken care of. And while Rachel was meeting with Joel, I first went out and did some shopping that we needed to get done. But as I was doing that shopping, I started just doing kind of laps around Blue Water. And as I was doing laps, this verse, the verse that we're talking about today, kept popping up in my head. And I started talking to God, and I told him, how am I supposed to get up there and talk to, teach about this passage? How am I supposed to get up in front of people and tell them about this passage and tell them, you know, God's renewing you day by day when I didn't feel like God was renewing me at all this entire month? And then God said, well, Shelby, you're wrong, because I have been renewing you. He told me that even though I was going through all these attacks that I felt like I was stuck in just doing nothing, that he reminded me that I had made a decision to go get that car and get Rachel there to Blue Water in time, and in that moment, I had been pushing forward. In that moment, he had started, he had renewed me. And he had revealed that throughout this month, he has been renewing me day by day, and it might not always have looked grand and big and grandiose or anything like that, but it was the little things it was the fact that even though I felt like I was being afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down, he was reminding me that at the same time I was still moving forward. I had not been crushed or driven to despair or forsaken or destroyed. And so God told me that I could move on and not lose heart. This month has been a hard month, but one of the great things that this passage tells us is that all of this is temporary. This month has been a hard month, but soon this month will be over. Right? If, we're, if you are having a really bad day, if some, everything seems to be going wrong, it's great to know that there's another day coming. Growing up, my favorite uh, comedian was a Christian. His name was Mark Lowry. And he did this little, like, bit. He did this um, speech. I don't know what you call what it, comedians do. I guess it's like a speech. Anyways, he got up, and he would do this thing where he would talk about his favorite verse, and he would say his favorite verse was, and it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. And he would say, are you having a hard year? Is your year being the worst year you've ever faced? Well, hang on. It will pass. And then he would say, are you having the best year of your life? Could life not be going better for you in any way? Well, hang on. It will pass. And while that is a funny thought to think about it, in fact, that is what Paul says in verses 17 and 18 of 2 Corinthians 4. Read that with me. 
It says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This month has been a hard month, but it is a light momentary affliction when you look at it in light of eternity. And the advice Paul gives here is actually not easy advice. There was um, a pastor back in California who would always, one of his favorite phrases was to tell people, well, will this matter in a thousand years? Right? He's like, will whatever, whatever's bothering you, whatever you're upset about, will that matter in a thousand years? And, you know, when you're angry and upset, that's not necessarily something you want to hear. When you're having a hard day, having somebody come up to you and tell you, well, don't worry, this is just a light momentary affliction, is not something that necessarily is like, oh, well, I'm so glad you told me that. Because when we're having those light momentary afflictions, really, it's like everything that we see, all we can see is the things that are afflicting us. So really, it's what Paul's trying to get us to do is shift our perspective to look beyond what is in front of us and look at the things that are unseen, the things that are eternal. He's basically saying you need to look at Christ. Or maybe to put it in a oddly specific example, when after a month where everything seems to go wrong, where you have had your vacuum cleaner suddenly die, you've had your kettle suddenly die, you've had your toaster look like it's going to die, you've had your dryer start making weird noises, and then you had your car not start. You have to remember that to find contentment in that situation is to remember that this too shall pass. This is a light momentary affliction. There is eternity waiting. So we do not lose heart. Because even though our outer self, even though the material things of this world, even though anything physical in this world is slowly wearing away, we are being renewed on the inside day after day. So what? Why do we, why study rest for the last four weeks? Well, we have spent this time looking at this theme of rest, and I hope that by this time that we are now concluding this study that Hopefully this one main point has sunk in, and that is that you're not going to find rest unless you come to Jesus, unless you start with that first. Because it is through God that our strength is renewed. It is through his indwelling that life flows out of us. It is through his power that we are renewed day by day, but none of that happens if we don't start with that first step of coming to Jesus that very first passage we looked at in Matthew, where we are coming to Jesus because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Come to him and he will give us rest. And when we do that, when we have set our eyes on Christ, we can truly look at these momentary afflictions for what they are, just momentary. We can understand and find hope in the fact that this too shall pass. And when we come to Jesus, we know that no matter what comes in our way, there will be nothing that can truly destroy us. No matter how we're feeling, we can realize that no matter 
what pressures this life puts on us, we can still move forward. Because our outer selves every day may grow weaker, but our inner selves are growing stronger day by day. So just two questions to leave you guys with. First, where are you looking? And second, have you come to Jesus? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much that you renew us day by day. Thank you so much that you're faithful, no matter what we do, God. Because, God, if I was in your position and I was looking down at me this last month, I would have given up on me. I'm so glad you don't. I'm so glad that you're not like us in that way. God, I just pray that as we go from church today, as we go out, as we go through our lives, whatever hardships come our way, that we will remember that we can keep our eyes on you, that we can look at the things that are unseen in the moment, because those are the things that are eternal. These afflictions are just momentary. And God, I pray that when we are stuck in a time where it feels like we are not moving forward, when it feels like all we can do is nothing because we have no motivation or we just can't get ourselves to do anything, God, I pray in those times we would look back and see that we actually are moving forward, even if it's just little steps, and that we'd focus on the little bit movement forward than what we think is no movement at all. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this time to come and just worship you. In your name, amen.